We are in week 11. Take the lead. Man, I feel good tonight. I'm so glad you guys are here. Well, last week we saw that the people of Israel cried out to God to rescue them, but God, in fact, said no. And the reason he said no was because at first all they said was, God, we need you. But what they missed out on is they said, God, rescue us. God, do, do what, you know, what would you get us out of our situation? But they were lacking one thing. They were lacking repentance. And it wasn't until they repented of, what, of the fact that they had turned their back on God that he, it says at the end of Judges chapter 10 that he was grieved for them. And coming into this next chapter of Judges, Judges chapter 11, that he decided to finally send a judge to redeem his people once again. And again, this word judge is, is, is a word not necessarily meaning to hit the gavel and send to heaven or hell. Or, or It's the idea of positioning someone back into their rightful place. God wanted uh, to send judges to position the people of God, the people of Israel, back into their rightful place as people representing the Father on the earth, bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. And this was a 400-year period between the end of Joshua's reign and, uh, the, and King Saul coming in uh, uh, 1 Samuel where there was no king established among the people of Israel. They had to be totally dependent on God. And God wanted to redeem the people because they were finally repentant. Well, at the end of Judges chapter 10, verses 17 through 18, I want to read this to make sure that we understand the context of this next chapter. It says, At the time, the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead. And the people of Israel assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, Whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. Israel gathered together in response to the Ammonite threat, and the leaders basically say this, who is going to lead us into battle? God's got a pattern to do great works among his people. It's find someone to lead under his authority. He did it through Abraham. He did it through Moses. He did it through Joshua. He's doing it through these judges. He did it through Jesus. And Jesus, when he left, he said, now I want you, I'm going to commission you to go and make disciples just as I did. I want you to go take the lead. And I believe we are at a time in this nation and in this world where there, everyone is looking for someone to take the lead. Uh, everyone's looking for someone to take the lead in the entertainment industry. Everyone's looking for someone to take the lead in um, the government. Uh, everyone's got their opinions and everyone's got their uh, uh, strategies and everyone's got what they think should be. And, and God says, well, so do I. And I'm looking for a people who are not going to settle for a status quo. I'm looking for a people who are not going to settle for the enemy having territory that was never meant for him to possess. I'm looking for a people who are going to stand up, stand their ground, and take the lead for my namesake. So the people are ready to go to war, and they're saying, who's going to lead us? They're looking for someone. So in Judges chapter 11 and verses 1 through 3, it says this. Now Jephthah, y'all say Jephthah. Jephthah. I got a th -th -th in that. 
got a little lisp in the Jephthah. Y'all forgive me. Don't make fun of me. Now, Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. <laughs> All right. I love these kids. I love it. Gilead's wife had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You ain't going to get any of our father's inheritance, they said, because you're the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. There are way too many times people reject the notion of someone able to lead because of their pedigree, their condition, and their history. We look at people where they came from. We look at their sin life. We look at their past. And we have this measuring stick and measuring tool of you can't lead people in the church because we know where you came from. And sometimes we do it without even letting it being obvious. Well, you're not the preacher's son, so you can't take over the pastoralship. You didn't grow up in church, so you're not qualified to pastor. Well, I think in 2020, that's probably the most qualified people. And here we have Jephthah, who God is qualifying him and wanting him to be raised up to be the one to take the people in, to lead the people, and all they can see is, you the son of a prostitute. They were totally negating the idea that he could lead them because of his past and how he was brought up and the product of something that they considered and was sinful. And oftentimes we look at the circumstances of someone's being or even conception and we try to measure whether or not they're worthy to lead. In Psalm 139, 13 through 14, it says this, You form my innermost being, shaped my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded in the Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Regardless of your circumstances, you need to remember something. God took the time to form you and knit you together, and he knows every single part of you. And when you became adopted into the kingdom of God, when you said, Jesus, here I am, I receive you as my Savior, I receive you as my King, I receive you as my Lord, everything about you became new, and what that new thing is, is you were restored to the very thing that God took the time to knit together and form that you were in your mother's womb. 
and I'm going to take the lead and take a stand and not be bashful and address something in this house right now that people ask about. Let's talk about abortion. What? Y'all scared? It's a woman's choice. Let me tell y'all the download. Because this is what I hear from people. Can, can I talk about this in front of the kids? Is this all right? Okay. I got permission, so y'all yell at me later if I say something wrong. The number one thing I hear from people of this generation to allow abortion is what if a woman is raped? Regardless of how the conception happens, the conception may be outside of his time, but the life is still something that he planned. As soon as life happens, it's something that he's knitting together, it's something that he is forming. Let me tell you, you're going to have to forgive me for this one, a little story about me. I was conceived by a 14-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy. And you know where her first stop was? The abortion clinic. The moment I was con conceived, he started forming me and knitting me together. And he had the word pastor, apostle, leader over my life. And you know who I was meant for? I wasn't meant for that 14-year-old girl. I was meant for that beautiful woman on that back row right there. Because God is not limited by physical means. Is that okay, Mama? Too late now, but. God says, I've got plans. For every bit of life. And Jephthah was conceived completely in sin. His daddy cheating on his mama with a prostitute. But even though that pedigree was totally out of order. That life was planned by me. But the way I allow man to rule is that you decide when things happen by your actions as mankind. And I'm so good and just that when you act outside of my will, if you will turn it over to me, I will redeem it for its original intent. And never let a bad mistake condition the thing to go out of my will. 
relentless church. When we started with the idea, God was knitting it together. But then when I started implementing it, it was not what God wanted. But then when we started to turn it over to the Holy Spirit's leading, he started to redeem it. He started to reform it. And now Relentless Church is a lot different than it was six years ago. Thank the Lord. He knit you together. He had a purpose in mind for you. And we need to seek him so that we begin to walk into the original intent for your life. See, Jephthah, even though he was conceived in the wrong way, God says, I'm the one that wove you together. And I'm going to use you for great things. But all his brothers and sisters, all they could see, you're a son out of sin. You ain't getting any inheritance. You ain't getting any favor. You ain't getting no land. You got to leave. You got to go. So he left. But it says a band of worthless rebels followed him. If you look at the language of the original manuscript, when it's talking about worthless rebels, it's actually, it's not referring to bad people. It's referring to poor people without property and without jobs. And they needed someone to follow. So they followed the one that nobody wanted. Let me read John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Is this okay? Let me read John chapter 1, 10 through 12. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. The world did not recognize its creator. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Jesus was rejected too. Why was he rejected? One reason, just like Jephthah, because of his pedigree. What did they see Jesus as? Oh, we know you, Jesus. Your mama was 15 and she was shacking. Your mama wasn't even married and she got prego. We know all about you, Jesus. They made up this story that your mom got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And they rejected him. You just the son of a carpenter. You, 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 you ain't much at all. We don't want you. The world rejected him because of his circumstances, because of how he looked, because they were looking for a certain kind of leader. And when God said, here's a leader I want you to have, they did not like it. And just like Jephthah, there was a certain people that followed Jesus. And it was the very ones that had been rejected by, at that time, the church. Oh, you don't know our Bible good enough? You couldn't memorize the scripture? You don't get all the law right? You just fishermen, you tax collectors, you're architects. You ain't good enough to be in the temple. You ain't good enough to know all the religious rhetoric. You can't be with us. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, who can I use? Not church people. Let me get the tax collectors. 
Let me get the fishermen. All you church people, y'all need to get saved. Let me use these people. And you know what? Unfortunately, that's exactly what the church of 2020 has become. They've got tons of temples filled up with people who don't know nothing about their authority as sons and daughters of the living God. We don't know how to walk as leaders. We don't know how to take the lead. We don't know how to govern our houses. We don't know how to govern our money. We don't know how to govern our jobs. We don't know how to govern our strongholds. We don't know how to take the lead in anything. And he's looking for a people who will humble themselves. And in Matthew chapter 5 it says to become poor in spirit. To say, will you depend totally on me? Well, in Judges chapter 11, the next verse, in verse 4, it says, At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. And when the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, Come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, Aren't you the ones who hated me? Aren't you the ones who drove me from my father's house? Y'all ever been in those situations where the ones who threw you away called on you when they needed you? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? I imagine that's kind of what God's response is to us sometimes. Oh, you need me now? You didn't need me when you were out of debt. You need me now? Oh, you didn't need me when you were doing good by yourself. But now that by yourself led to in the hole, you need me now? Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, isn't that the church? Isn't it sad that it took COVID to reveal the fact that we really had no relationship? See, 2020 vision, it was all, oh, new vision for the church, growth, increase, yeah. And 2020 vision was like, now you see. <laughs> Corrected vision. I like that. Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in the battle against the Ammonites, we're going to make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. We do that with God. God, if you'll just do this for me, I will build you temples. I will build you church. I will build you. I will do whatever. You'll have my life, God, if you'll just do this for me. You know, y'all know y'all said it. God, if you'll just let me win this lottery today. I'll tithe 20%, not 10 Right? Y'all know y'all been there. Don't lie. <laughs> but y'all don't play the lottery because y'all, you know, y'all save. But not that it's bad to play the lottery. Can I say that? Gambling's not a sin. It's the addiction to gambling. Yeah, yeah like don't get religious. That's in, okay. Judges, <laughs> let me read this verse. Let me read Judges 11 1 again. Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. 
They focused on the fact that his mother was a prostitute, and they threw away the fact that he was what? A great warrior. And there's so many times people walk into the church, and all we see is their circumstance and not their greatness. Like, we see how weird they are, but not their greatness. Right? We see that they talk a little different. They look a little different. They got a little too many tattoos or they got a little too much hair, a little too less hair. Or, you know, th th there's a weird guy who leads a church who all he wears is flip-flops because he don't know how to wear shoes. Or, you, you know, you, you, or you think the pastor's got a tick, but, you, but he doesn't. It's just I've got neck problems or, you know. Uh, right? But that's what we do in the church. I've had so many people come to Relentless, like, 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 like Tiffany, like hold up your arm real quick. Like you walk into some churches, even in Pooler in 2020, and they see that sleeve, and the first thing they think is, oh, no, 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 we can't use her. And if, if you've ever met Tiffany, she's got some amazing gifts, and she's a strong leader. And, 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 and the thing is, is that, and, and this is not speaking against what you're with, so just give me some grace in what I'm about to say. Deal? Deal? People like her have had to go into a home church for real people, and the organizations can't figure out how to sustain, and the reason they're not sustaining is because they've thrown away people like her and all, they, all she can do is go to a home church. And then she finds a place like here and realizes I can be a part of both because they're not weird about the fact that I'm part of a home church and that I have a tattoo or, or 20 <laughs> or 200. <laughs> right? We, we reject so much. He was a great warrior. Some of you have been rejected. Your great prophets and great evangelists and great prayers and interceders and you, you, you've got great singing ability and you're great architects and you've got great ideas and you've got great design and you, 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 you've got all these great things, but you've been rejected because, you know, you don't have a theology degree. And just so you know, if you don't have a theology degree, you're more likely to get in leadership here than those that do. <laughs> That's a, a little bit of a mild joke. Because I know I've got a theology degree, and I don't believe in hardly anything that I got the degree in the school that I went to anymore. It's kind of like when you get a technology degree 20 years ago. Try, try, try to get a job in a new, technolo new technology company with 20-year-old material. Y'all get the point? That's called religion. I'm taking my old wineskin of IBM and Microsoft, you know, Windows 98 
and trying to get a job at Apple. Right? Right? They were so desperate. They were not only willing to ask him to come back, but they said, we'll give you the authority as the head over Gilead. And there's so many times we try so hard to get authority through manipulation and showing our power and showing our strength. See, here he's offered position, honor, and authority. They say, hey, we'll give you anything you want. We'll, we'll, we'll do anything for you. You ever know those people that just try to manipulate? And we try to do it to God. But I wonder how many times we reject the leading of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many times we reject God's leading. When he's simply waiting for us to ask him back, just like the people asked Jephthah back. Because God's right here with us. He never leaves us. He's never forsake, he never forsakes us. But sometimes God is just waiting for one thing. For us to say, Holy Spirit, take the lead. Because you've been trying to do it way too long by yourself. And because God never left you, he'll be quick to respond. And oftentimes we want to take the lead. But first, you need to make sure that you have sought out God and asked him to take the lead to position you for a place to lead. Because sometimes we, God, let me lead, got me, let me lead. And God said, not if you ain't behind me, you're not. Because you're going to lead yourself to destruction. I think that, I know that that's where we're at in this nation. We've been following our own lead way too long and not the leading of the Holy Spirit. Including the church. We've been following our own lead of business models and denominational structures and not allowing to fresh wind blow through and new wine to be poured out. We're not, we're not allowing anything new to happen. There's still churches that are relying on systems that were considered great and new 30 years ago. There are still churches that are starting on a new model called the Purpose Driven Life. A book written by Rick Warren a million years ago. And they think it's new and good stuff. And I'm not too scared to say it. There has been an article released that Rick Warren is now condoning a belief system called Chrislam. Islam, endorsing Christianity and Islam, worshiping the same God. Why y'all quiet? People are relying on their own systems and they're falling. The lead pastor of Hillsong, New York, just got fired. Cheated on his wife. But thank God for the system.
We're relying too much on ourselves, y'all. We're not allowing him to take the lead on anything. And unfortunately, the church of 2020, of, of the 21st century, has become obsessed with how do we get more people? And the answer to that, unfortunately, has become what more can we compromise? And we put so much investment into lights, camera, action, and nothing into true discipleship. So in verse 9, Jephthah said to the elders, so let me get this straight. If I come with you and the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made, them, uh, made him their ruler and commander of the army at Mizpah. In the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Jephthah didn't want to be rejected again, so he brought them to Mizpah which actually meant watch. He wanted to make a covenant right before God. The idea of making covenants at Mizpah was, if you go back on this promise, God's going to see it, and you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to be punished if you break the covenant. I think many times we forget the weight of the covenant that we enter in under the blood of Jesus. Because we love to celebrate, we in a new covenant. The blood of Jesus saved us. He redeemed us. Truth. But in any covenant, there's two parts. He died for you. He saved you. He rescued you. But look at 1 Peter 2.24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you're healed. You know what your part of the covenant is? Live for what's right. Take the flip and lead. You got a part in the covenant too. Take a stand. Die to yourself. Live for righteousness. Well, God made me right, so I'm saved by grace, so I can mess up, and it's okay. But don't let that be the standard you live by. That's a safety net. Praise God. But don't let that be your standard. My standard is, what else do I need to die for? What else can I give to you, God? What else do you want? Have it all. Have it all. Have it all. Have it all. I want to live for what's right. You know, the scripture says, whatever you obey is called your master or called your Lord. So in other words, if you can't say to no to something, that's what you call Lord, and we all got some other lords than Jesus. One of my lords is chips at jalapenos. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like you know you shouldn't have any of that week, but when those things get put in front of you, it's, it's like you fall out in the Holy Spirit. Or the holy tummy, and you just start. we all got lords. We all got things that get more glory than God. Addictions, passions. God says, "I want it all. Live for what's right. I want it. I want all of you." And that thing that's Lord may be 
issue 20. But work through 1 through 19, then once you get to 20, don't say, I've done enough. Lay that down too. There's a song that I love by Lindy Connor. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Lay it all down. Take the lead in that. There's nothing but good on the other side of it. Verse 12. Well, then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon asking, Why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Japhet River and all the way to the Jordan. Now they can give back the land peacefully. Let me read that again. Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon. Remember, the enemy was the Ammonites. Why have you come to fight against my land? Satan, why are you taking America? My land. Someone shout, my land. Satan, why are you taking my family? My land. Why, why are you taking entertainment? My land. Why are you taking music? My land. The king of Ammon answered, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land. What does the enemy always try to do? He always tries to convince you that it was his. And the church has come into agreement with it. It's a fallen world. And what do we do? Well, it's a fallen world. So the only one who can redeem it is Jesus. No, you idiot. Did the pastor just, yes, I did. Who redeems the fallen world? God does it through the redemption of his people. And he says, sons and daughters, take the lead and take back the land. It's not the enemies. It's mine. And the way I govern it is through you. I don't know what that was. Take the lead. Don't let the enemy have that lie. Don't let the enemy have your home. Don't let the enemy have your ears. Well, the only good music is, 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 is this music, and it's not God's. Well, don't let him have that land. Sometimes the best music is in the silence. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I'm in some of the same opinion of y'all. Well, I don't listen to Christian radio because I don't like Christian radio. Because like, <laughs> for me, there's some good stuff on Christian radio, but I don't like a lot of Christian bands on Christian radio. It's lame to me sometimes. I'm just being real with you. I'm not a Mercy Me fan. Forgive me. I'm not a big Casting Crowns fan. Forgive me. I'm not a Chris Tomlin fan. At all. Forgive me. Maybe one song in his 20 covers. I'm, I'm losing people. <laughs> so do I say, so I'll listen to this? Or do I listen to the ones created to make music like the birds in my backyard? Or the ocean waves? And I know that may seem corny to you. 
But there is more than just the music that the enemy has taken. Remember, if you read the scripture, Satan was the worship leader of heaven. Why do you think he has the best music? He was the one created to lead it. But you know what? He says, don't let him make you think that that was ever his. I asked him to manage it. Not have it. So now, you manage it. Now that Satan has lost his position in heaven and that I've redeemed you, you find the sound that Satan forfeited. Is that, is that too deep? <laughs> Take the land. Take the lead. It's not his. This nation is not his. Even, let me, even if Biden's let the president, because it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. I'm still on the side of Trump's going to be our president until the day where it don't happen. Because I, I got to take the lead somewhere. It ain't over yet. I don't trust any news article except what I'm hearing from the prophets. And even if they get it wrong, I'll forgive them and draw them close instead of calling them hypocrites. All right? Just being real. You ain't perfect. Neither are they. Shut your mouth and forgive them and love them. Until it's over, it ain't done. And I'm not going to come into agreement. That is the enemies. I will pray for Biden. I will pray for Harris. I will pray that God redeems them. I will pray that the Holy Spirit awakens them. But I will not come into agreement that the stance they stand for will have this land. Ever. This is how I fight my battles. I'm in a mood tonight. Verse 14. Is this okay? Okay. Jephthah sent this messenger back to the Ammonite king. I love what Jephthah says. Because remember, the enemy is like, this was my land. This is what Jephthah says, verse 15. Israel, Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the kingdom of Edom asking for permission to pass through his land. But their request was denied. Well, then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border, camped on the other side of the Arnon River. But they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to the king Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through their land to get to their destination. But king Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jehaz and attacked them, but, but the Lord... The God of Israel gave his people victory over King Sihon. So Israel took control, control, took control. So Israel took control of all the land. 
but the Lord. So the people of God took control over all America. So Israel took control over all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, from the eastern wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it back to you? That's what you need to say to most of your fights. Why should I give anything back to you, debt? Why should I give anything back to you, relationship, addiction, financial issue? Why should I give anything back to you, Satan? This is God's, and I'm going to manage it in his way. You keep whatever your God, Chemosh, gives you. We'll keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. I love that. Verse 25. You any better than Balak, son of Zipper? <laughs> King of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war against him? Israel's been here 300 years inhabiting Heshbon and its surrounding settlements all the way to Aurora and its settlements and all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to get it before now? Let me say it in this way. America's been God's land this entire time. Satan, why are you just now trying to get it? You know, we always love to talk about the issues of America. LGBTQUSTVWXYZ. <laughs> we always love to talk about all the issues, right? Why hadn't they become issues up until now? It ain't his. It was never his. So now he's trying to get confused people to side with a lie. And where we're getting it wrong is religious people throw them away instead of drawing them close. Not to say it's okay, but to say we're going to stand beside you the entire time. Twenty-seven. Therefore, I have not sinned against you. Whether you've wronged me by attacking me, let the Lord, who is judge, decide today which of us is right, Israel or Ammon. But the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. Look at that lead Jephthah took. God gave it. You can't have it. Romans eight thirty-one. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> I love what Jephthah said. We've been here 300 years. What has your God done? Nothing. Why are you just now showing up to take it? And do you notice through this entire passage, he's calling out the true battle? He says, hey, king of Ammon, this ain't about me and you. 
This is about my God and your God. Because he could have spent the whole time talking about how he was a great warrior. And you don't know my struggle. My mom was a prostitute, and my family rejected me, and I, I got here by God. And he, didn't, he didn't spend all, he, he said, look at what my God did, and look, and look at what your God didn't do. He said, the real struggle here is not Israel and the Ammonites. The real war here is my God and your God. You see, the first thing you got to understand when you're taking the lead is that first, first it's spiritual and then it's the natural. Ephesians 6.12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. You see, it's not Democrats or Republicans. It's not black or white. It's not rich or poor. It's not even Biden against Trump. It's the enemy and God. And if we would just shut up on Facebook and put down people who stand with Biden and start praying into the spiritual battle, we may actually start to see some fruit. So let me just say this, church. Start fighting the right way. Not in the flesh with Biden. Not in the flesh with Democrats. Not in the flesh with racism. Start getting on your knees with your family and take the lead and pray into what's going on. Moms and dads, get with your kids tonight and pray into the battle. We got to start fighting in the spiritual realm and allow it to impact the natural realm. Pray for Trump. Pray for his... Maybe if the more the church started praying for Trump, he would mince his words more. being real take the lead well I don't like either one of them in office I'm in the, take, take the lead is this okay okay even if it's not be blessed When you take the lead, your greatest victory will flow out of a posture of understanding where the battle begins first. Watch this, verse 29. You know how he started talking about this? This is, this is my God versus your God. He said, God gave us this land. He didn't say we got it. He said we received it. Look at verse 29. At that time, at that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead. And from there, he led an army against the Ammonites. When he started speaking into the right battle, when he started to give God glory and not the people of Israel glory, at that time, the Spirit came upon him and took the lead so that he could lead. When he recognized that, the Spirit of God came upon him.
and he led the army. God allowed him to take the lead against the enemy because he realized where the fight was. Start focusing on giving him glory and credit and praise, and out of that spiritual progression, God will cause you and allow you to lead because you're leading under the right goals. You're, reading, you're leading under the right headship, not your flesh and not your desires, but from him. Verse 30, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. I'm getting close. If you give me victory over the Ammonites, I'll give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I'll sacrifice it as a burnt offering. This seems really good, but it's pretty foolish. God was already on his side. He didn't need to make a deal with God. He didn't need to make a covenant with God. He didn't need to try to manipulate God. He just needed to follow God. But isn't that what we do? We follow God. We see light come into our situations, and then we try to take control. God, if you'll just, if you'll just come through, I promise you I will. Let me, let me read you a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Look at verse 2. Y'all bored? Verse 2. Don't make rash promises. Don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God's in heaven, you're on earth. Let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When God's on your side and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, just walk. Don't try to manipulate. Don't make deals. Don't make promises to God. You'll be held accountable to every single promise you make. And I don't know about you, but I've made some promises to God that I wish I wouldn't have made. If I can be real, it's a good reminder if the Holy Spirit guides, this is a really good reminder. Have you, do you agree that the Holy Spirit's been guiding Jephthah the entire time? Well, even in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you can still make stupid mistakes. But what religion does is if you make one mistake, it's you ain't qualified. Get out of here. When what the church needs to be known and famous for is, oh, you made a mistake? Let me bring you in a little closer. One of the most mispreached and taught parables is the parable of the tree in the garden, the fig tree. When it's give it one more year to produce fruit. And if it doesn't produce fruit after one more year, cut it down. And we think, oh, it's only one more year and then we're going to be cut off. The other side to that is, you know what happened to the branch when it was cut off? It wasn't thrown away. It was brought closer to the foundation of the trunk. And 
we get so scared to get cut off. If I don't produce, I'm gonna get cut off, and God's not. No, no, no. If, if for some reason you're not coming through what God's asked you to do, you might get cut off for the purpose of bringing in a little more close, so that I can replant. That's called restoration. That's called redemption. That's called a rebirth. And there's a lot of people in religion that they've got some stuff wrong and they have been cut off. And what they don't understand is God saying, I want to replant you. Could you walk through this restoration process? Could you walk through this rejuvenation? Could you let me lead you? As a people of God, we can either criticize and reject, or we can bring him closer. Jeff Doss brothers, they criticized him, they rejected him. But Jeff thought, even in making this mistake of a bad, foolish covenant with God, God didn't say, oh, Jeff thought that's it. I don't want you anymore. Look at what, look at what God did to him. Look at verse 32. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from Aurorer to an area near Mineth and as far away as Abel Karamim. And in this way, Israel defeated the Ammonites. Despite everyone rejecting Jephthah, Jephthah he overcame his rejection, his bitterness, his hurt. He stepped up, he served the people, he took the lead in the direction of God, and God gave him victory. And because he got victory, Israel got it. Because when you take the lead, you represent that which you are leading, and you get that thing that you, you get the thing that your following represents. In other words, when we're following God, God's victory is our, is our victory. It will flow. That's the oil flows from the head down. The head of the home, right? The Bible says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. And what we've done in America is because we have bad husbands, we've tried to exalt the wife above, not understanding if you will pray into your husband getting into the rightful position, that victory flows into Woman's victory. Having said that, I am not a believer that God will only use men in the church. I believe that we're coming into a day where God is using women just as much as men. The first assignment given after the resurrection was to a woman. Hey, go tell the disciples, I'm up. For those of, under the sound of my voice who might be religious and think God can't use women. Yeah. 
Now here's where it gets interesting. Because Jephthah got the victory. But remember the covenant he made? He said, God, if you'll just give me this victory, even though he was already going to get the victory. Why? Because he was following the Lord. He said, remember, remember what he said? He said, if you'll give me victory, whatever comes out of my house when I get home, I'm going to sacrifice it. Let me just ask y'all, moms and dads, when you come home, what comes out your front door to greet you? Children? Let's read. Let's read. This is where foot insert mouth. Verse 34. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. Those dang tambourines. So was his one and only child. He had no other sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out, you have completely destroyed me. Some greeting. You've brought disaster on me. I've made a vow to the Lord and I cannot take it back. She said, Father, if you made a vow to the Lord, you must do to me what you vowed. For the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first, let me do this one thing. Let me go up and roam in the hills and weep with my friends for two months because I'll die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said. He sent her away for two months, and she and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never have children. When she returned home, her father kept the valley made, and she died a virgin. It has become a custom in Israel for young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. There's a lot that, that's horrible, isn't it? There's a lot of mixed feelings and ideas about this. But here's the thing. He made a covenant with God, and he followed through with it. Now, God never asked him to do it, and I believe 100% that God would have forgiven him and gave him a way out or whatever it would have been. So this was definitely on Jephthah. This was not on God. But here's the, I I read this over and over and over and thought, what can we pull out of this? Like, what what can we praise God about? Jephthah's daughter got burnt as a sacrifice and died a virgin. And what can we get out of this? He gave his word to God. He didn't go back on it. And there was something powerful about seeing a man keeping a vow to God. And there are so many of us who make vows to God and we always go back on them. And part of taking the lead is I'm not going back. You know, when you came up under the lordship of Jesus and you said, Jesus, I am yours and you are mine, I wonder how many times we go back on that vow. Are you really his? In everything? You really let him take the lead in everything? Are you really honoring your part of the covenant to say, God, have it all? I lay it all down for you. My old lifestyle, my old way, my old response. I'm going to let you take the lead, God, so that I can be one to take the lead in this nation, in this world. 
Or do we make empty false covenants with the Lord? How real is he to you? I don't know about you, but for me, there's nothing more real than my God. He's never let me down. He's always come through. Everything I've ever come face to face with in my life, God has rescued me, redeemed me, and taught me. Got diagnosed with a brain tumor. Had no money. No insurance. God gave me the money. God gave me the surgery. God told me to leave a full scholarship, go into ministry. After years of me saying I will never become a pastor. Did it. Then when I did it, I'll say I'm going to be a youth minister. I'm never going to become a pastor. God did it anyways. When I was in every type of trouble in my life, God always came through. But it was always out of a flow of one thing. Submission. He's real. Every time this church has been in the bind, God said, here. It is crazy to think that this church is debt-free in 2020. There's nothing more real than our God. I'm going to read a few more verses. We're going to finish up. I know it's getting late. Can y'all give me a few more minutes? Just a few more minutes. If you got to go, I understand. I'm not going to be offended. But I'm going to read the first few verses of chapter 12, okay? Because it ends this whole Jephthah thing. Verse 1. The people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zaphon. And they sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We're going to burn down your house with you in it. Isn't it funny when you take the lead when no one else will, there's always going to be someone mad about your victory? And a lot of us want victory, but we don't want to do the job for it, yet when others excel, we get jealous. Well, just start taking the lead. Don't get jealous about someone else's victory. Just start taking the lead. Verse 2, Jephthah replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life, went to battle without you. The Lord gave me victory of the Ammonites. Why have you come now to fight me? He's not even taking credit for it. He's like, God did it. They'll let you fight alone, then they'll call you prideful and a hypocrite when you excel. Then they'll call you a cheat and a liar because they left. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me as a leader of a church. People call you a hypocrite and a cheat and a liar and tell you doing this and doing that. And then when they see you start to excel and then when you meet a need, people will say, oh, well, why didn't you call on us for help? Why didn't you include us? And then they'll start to find reasons as to why you missed it with God. You've been there. You advance and people find reasons as to why you shouldn't advance. Well, take the lead and give that praise to God and not your, your own merit. Give him the glory. Give him the glory in all things. 
Verse 4, the people of Ephraim responded, You men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Nessa. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead, attacked the men of Ephraim, and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? Now this is where it gets good, and this is what I'm closing with. They would ask. If the man said, no, I'm not, they would tell him, say, Shibboleth. If he was from Ephraim, he would say, Shibboleth. Shibboleth was right. Sibboleth was wrong. Because people from Ephraim can't pronounce the word correctly. Yep. Yeah. Kind of like people from the north trying to pronounce southern things, and you know where they're from. And vice versa. Y'all. What's that? You guys versus y'all. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossing of the Jordan. All 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. They were identified by the way they referred to a word that they could not properly pronounce. Shibboleth, Sibboleth. They either represented the word correctly or incorrectly by the way they said it. I believe we are in a day where the true followers of Jesus are going to be known by the way they either properly represent him or not. And let me just say, and I will be so bold to say it, there will be some who proclaim his name and walk in courage and boldness. And there will be some that proclaim his name and none of his attributes mark who they are. And you will see who were those that are marked by God and those who are not. I'll close with this scripture. Acts 19, 13 through 16. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Taking the lead starts with a true relationship with Jesus. So that everyone and everything around you knows it's genuine. Not just talk, not just rhetoric, not just I believe in Jesus. But your life mirrors him. And the last verse of Judges 12 that I'm reading tonight. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. And when he died he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. Brought them into the rightful position. What are the areas you need to take the lead in? Where is your relationship with God? 
not just a proclamation of faith. But where are you? Are you the salt of the earth? Do you change the flavor of your environment? Or does your environment change the flavor of you? Do you bring light into darkness? Or when you walk into dark places, does your light dissipate? Because if we are truly the people of God, we take the lead wherever we go. Let's start taking the lead today and watch the victory that God gives you for the purpose of his glory. Amen.